Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. Crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my point. I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. The Cross and Wrestling Entertainment Podcast presented by Clovercrest Media is what you AEW fans have been looking for. Noah Cross and Tyler Bard give their take on every week's episode of Dynamite. If you are a massive AEW fan, then it is time to join us every Sunday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Stay Crossum. What is going on, everyone? We are back a day later with huge breaking news. Uh, just about over a little bit an hour ago, James Harden was dealt to the Brooklyn Nets in a massive four-team trade. Other teams included were the Cavaliers and the Pacers. So basically, all in all, I'm just going to shout this all out here. The Rockets get Oladipo, Exum, Karuch, and eight total first-round picks. The Pacers traded for Levert and also got a second-round pick. The Cavs got Allen, uh, Jared Allen from the Nets and Torrey and Prince from the Nets. And obviously, the Nets got James Harden. Uh, guys, this is huge for the league. I mean, even oh, yesterday's show, we were talking about you know how we how we thought things he could kind of write the ship in Houston, maybe like stick it out a little longer there. But apparently over the past 24 hours, it's just gone to shams and James Harden wanted out right away. And the the Rockets front office wasted no time at all getting James Harden out of there. Um, I will admit I, I was a little excited when I saw as a Sixers fan that they were looking to get a deal done. They were fielding final offers from the Sixers and the Nets. But I guess the Nets outdid us. That's fine by me. I, I like Ben Simmons. I really didn't want him to go anywhere, although it was exciting, the concept of bringing James Harden in to work with Joel Embiid. So there's just a lot to cover. Um, I mean, kind of seems like the Nets win this trade. They have three all-NBA caliber players now. Uh, one thing I'm unsure of is when and if Kyrie Irving will come back. That's to be seen. But for now, James Harden and Kevin Durant seem like a deadly duo. Sean, what do you think about this deal? Yeah, uh, obviously it's a huge deal. It changes the whole landscape of the NBA, I think, uh, especially in the Eastern Conference. But uh, it's definitely, there's a lot going on in this trade, um, especially for the Nets. you got to think about, um, like you said, Kyrie being out right now. Uh, James Harden, obviously, he looks out of shape. You could tell that... Um, 
you, you put a couple pounds on to say the least uh, during the off season. You could tell it, it's changed his game a little bit uh, during the season. So you have that. And then uh, obviously uh, Spencer did when he's out for the year. And then uh, you true, you trade away two big pieces and Jared Allen, who's, you know, your best rim protector and Karis Levert, who's a great scorer and playmaker off the bench. So uh, it's, and then you don't know how the, the three superstars are going to coincide. Uh, even if they do get Kyrie back, uh, we're still going to see how uh, they, they pan out together. So it's, it's obviously a huge trade, uh, a lot of implications for uh, not just the Eastern conference, but the NBA as a whole. Um, seeing as there's a lot of moving parts, including, you know, Aladipo going to the, the Rockets and then Karis LeVert going to the Pacers. So uh, obviously a huge deal. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, said that maybe the Rockets could figure it out. But um, obviously James Harden, it, I was watching the game last night between the Lakers and the Rockets. It, it didn't look like James Harden was invested at all. And you could tell after the interview um, last night. So I knew he would be traded uh, after seeing that interview, but I, I didn't think it would be today. But uh, obviously some crazy news for the NBA. Yeah, so things just overall building up over the over the last day or so. Toxic in the locker room. We have a I have a, a quote here from his uh, former teammate Demarcus Cousins. They asked him if he felt betrayed at all by Harden, and he said, "I don't feel betrayed at all. My interest was playing with John Wall, so to to be brutally honest, so." It looks like the Rockets players are kind of taking a deep sigh of relief breath that Harden's no longer there to make that locker room toxic. Jace, do you do you think the Nets gave up too much in this trade? Um, I I, I loved where the Nets were at. I, I also love the fact that it, with where the Nets were, we we were in this new age of of uh, NBA where. Screw the super team. Screw the big three. We were in the duos. Now we're back to a big three. And while they had to give up a lot of key pieces around them, which I, I thought were very big, key, like Allen, Lavert, those were big pieces to the Nets' success even before they got Kyrie and KD. But, I mean, whenever a big trade like this happens, people always say, when you get the best player, you win the trade. And they got the best player in James Harden. I, I think they should win the trade. They, they should win the trade. This, obviously, uh, Zay, I he's not on with us now, but uh, he texted us earlier showing us how the odds for betting as far as, like, who's going to win the championship went up and uh, how right now the second favorite to win it behind the Lakers is the Nets after this big trade. So if they can go and if they can get a championship with uh, James Harden, then th that's a win. But if they can't, they, they lost a lot of key assets for their future going forward. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with that. I think the end goal of this trade, not only – I feel like it can't be just one championship. I feel like a trade of this caliber, trading away the amount of picks and uh, young talent that they did – that this has to result in multiple championships. Um, James Harden obviously is a guy who's never won a championship before, um, but Kevin Durant has, Kyrie Irving has, and like I was saying, who knows when or if Kyrie Irving will be back playing for the Nets. That's a whole different situation now. Um, but, Jace, one thing I did uh, – what was I going to ask you? No, it'll come to me. But the, the outside – like details of this trade um the victor oladipo and karis lavert part 
kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh, who, Sean, I want to know, who do you think that that small detail of the trade benefits more, the Pacers or the Rockets? I actually think it benefits the Pacers here. Um, obviously, Victor Oladipo is a great player, but um, for the you know past couple of years, he's been uh, super injury prone, and it, he just doesn't look like the same guy that he was. Um, super explosive before that, uh, he doesn't look like uh, the All Star caliber player that he was. So, um, obviously, Karis LeVert's not an All Star caliber player. I wouldn't say that, but um, he, he comes off the bench for the Nets, and he, he gives them instant offense. Um, he's a great passer, obviously, great scorer going to the rack. Um, He's not as, as great as a shooter as Aladipo, but I, I think it brings a tremendous upside to the Pacers because the Pacers might be playing the best ball in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, their, their defense has been playing tremendous. Um, you know, DeMontis Sabonis has been a beast. Miles Turner turned it on last night. So they have a lot of good pieces. Uh, and so I think getting rid of, rid of an injury-prone player who also has a huge contract, I think getting rid of that contract could open up uh, – more opportunities for the Pacers, maybe if they want to trade for someone else or uh, going into free agency next year. But uh, I think that the Pacers are a young team that are starting to get it together. Uh, so I think adding a playmaker like Karis LeVert will benefit them a lot, um, especially uh, trying to stay at the top of the Eastern Conference for the remainder of the season. So um, I, I think it was a good pickup for the Rockets, too, because they, they could obviously use some help without the without Harden there anymore. They, they're going to need some offense. But um, I, I think that the Pacers won this trade. Yeah, um, so one other thing I wanted to bring up surrounding Karis LeVert, I think um, you know, something that this trade reminds me of, and obviously Karis LeVert is a little older than Harden was at the time, but it reminds me of when the Thunder traded initially traded James Harden to Houston, and the season after that, he kind of just, just blew up. Uh, I feel like if given the control of a team, I know they have other stars there like Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Miles Turner. But I, I feel like this could be Karis LeVert's chance to kind of carry a team and become a superstar. I feel like this Indiana trade opens up a lot of possibilities for him, including several all-star trips, several maybe even some all-NBA team uh, appearances, but that's if everything works out. That's what that reminds me of. Um, Jace, do you think... Who do you think, you know, obviously because Oladipo is going to be one of those main guys in Houston now with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. Um, who do you think is better equipped to to like to lead a team themselves, Oladipo or Levert? Um, I, I think Oladipo is better equipped to lead a team. He has been like the, the main – when he was in Orlando, uh, he obviously learned a little bit from Russ in a – in OKC, and then he has been the the main force uh, on this Pacers team while uh, during his time. Uh, I mean, I know he has been injury prone, but he was still the guy. So I expect him to come in, and and he has this knowledge. He he knows what it's like to play with these great players. Um, so he knows what he's like, what it's like to play with great players because he did play with Russell Westbrook. So I, I think he will come in, get that understanding. And uh, help benefit everyone on the Rockets, including and elevate John Wall and Boogie Cousins because I love those guys. I think that's going to be a interesting big three, a very young core that if they can keep together along with those draft picks, along with all these assets that they got, they could be all set for the future. But the one thing with these trades is I love – the trade, I, I love what the Pacers did. I love what the Rockets did. I love what they got. 
But the thing is, is they have all this talent around them. But the but the NBA is a star driven league. None of those teams have a star. Oladipo, John Wall, Boogie—they're all great, but none of them are that superstar. None of them are Durant. None of them are that James Harden. None and then, I mean, for the Pacers, like you, you got Sabonis doing well, Miles Turner stepping up. I mean, you got Lavert now, you got Brogdon, but but you don't have that one star. So that that's where I—that's the big takeaways for those parts for me as far as this trade goes. Right, and and obviously no one's expecting teams like Indiana and Houston to be serious championship contenders this season. So that's why the majority of the the packages they they both got were geared towards the geared towards the future. Excuse me, um, Sean. So obviously this makes things a lot more difficult for teams in the Eastern Conference. Do you think the East is completely out of reach now, or do you think they're still? There's still kind of a, a balance and a fight for the, that top spot and ultimately winning the East in the end. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's completely out of reach right now. Um, obviously, having three superstars on the same team that um, could all get buckets whenever they want, it's it's not going to be fun to go against, especially if Kyrie comes back. But I, I still think there's a lot of good teams in the Eastern Conference, including uh, the Celtics, including your Sixers, who I, who I think um, benefited from keeping Ben Simmons. I think that will be huge for them down the line. But um. But, yeah, I mean, the, the talent on the Celtics right now, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I, I've said it a lot, but they're playing out of their minds. Um, they could use a big man, but uh, once they get Kemba Walker back, I think that will help their offense out a lot too. And then uh, the Sixers, like I said, Joel Embiid is playing at an MVP level, I think, right now. He uh, obviously had a monster game last night. And uh, I, I think that uh, if they can get those shooters going like they got Danny Green going last night, I, I think that they could really be something special in the East. So I wouldn't say it's completely out of reach uh, for the Eastern uh, Conference right now. But uh, I do think that uh, if the Nets are able to get Kyrie back, they're able to – and Steve Nash and D'Antoni can figure out how to work this offense between the three superstars. I think it's it's going to be super dynamic. It's obviously going to be tough to stop. But um, I, I do think that the, it's not out of reach for the other teams in the Eastern Conference yet. So, Sean, I'll go right back to you. That brings up another question. Um, what team in this Eastern Conference do you think is best defensively equipped to stop a scoring machine uh, offense like the Nets? Um, I'd probably stick with the Celtics, honestly, because uh, Tatum and Brown, they're, they're two great wing defenders. So uh, they could take away, not take away Katie and Harden, obviously, but, you know, limit them a little bit. And then uh, Kyrie is where you might have some trouble. You might want to put Marcus Smart on him. But uh, they have guys that could defend out on the wing in the perimeter. And uh, now without Jared Allen, they don't have to worry about, uh, I mean, you'll have DeAndre Jordan now, but you don't have to worry about a dominant big man down low. So uh, I think the Celtics would match up pretty good against them. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I, yeah, that's that's probably, I think, the best matchup for the Nets uh, going forward would be the Celtics. I agree. I, I think. Oh, and uh, the, the Bucks too. Excuse me. Oh, uh, the Bucks. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think, the, like, uh, the 76ers and the Bucks would be a close second to the Celtics, but I do think they're best equipped defensively right now, obviously. I think they have three all defensive players, caliber players on their team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jace, let's say hypothetically this Nets team makes it to the finals. And I'm going to ask you kind of like the opposite of what I just asked Sean. What team in the Western Conference do you think is best defensively equipped to stop this juggernaut of a Nets offense? Um, I, 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 I think there's a lot of teams in the Western Conference that can uh, – 
stop this. I, I think the big one that comes to mind is obviously the, the Clippers. I mean, defensively, especially in, in the backcourt with uh, Paul George, Beverly, and Kawhi, I mean, they're going to cause problems, and, and that's going to be interesting. But, um, I mean, and, and then w- not just defensively, but as far as the Lakers, what the Lakers have done, they're coming off a championship season, and all they did was add depth. And, I mean, the Nets, they get this big piece, but they lose a lot of depth. Uh, I think both L.A. teams are will, will be problematic for Brooklyn if they meet in the finals. Yeah, so obviously LeBron, <laughs> I mean, LeBron can limp down anyone if he's really motivated enough to, I think. LeBron can completely eliminate one of those factors from this offense by himself alone. Um, I'd, I'd have a little more faith in the Clippers altogether, uh, trying to limit this this Nets offense. Um, obviously, Kawhi Leonard is, is a former Defensive Player of the Year. Paul George, um, third in MVP voting a couple of years ago, mostly due to um, his his high steal numbers, his high defensive rating. Um, Oh geez, I completely just lost my train of thought there. Um, yeah, so this this Nets offense overall, it's it's like I keep saying the word juggernaut because that's what they are. Um, I don't think I think if you're gonna beat this Nets team on most nights, you're gonna have to put up numbers near one twenty five to one thirty every every night if you want to beat this Nets team because I think and with a, with a snap of a finger, this team can. They, they can have 90 points between KD, Kyrie, and James Harden any given night. J- James Harden had a streak of, was it, Ryan me, Sean, was it 50 points? Or like was, was that his 30-point game streak, or was it 40? Oh, uh, 30. Uh, 30? 30, yeah. So uh, we've seen James Harden go on historical runs like that, um, scoring the ball like an absolute monster. I mean, the guy is, that's what he is. He's a pure scorer. And then you have playmakers like Kyrie and uh, Kevin Durant can make plays with the best of them if he wants to. Um, Jace, let me go back to you. I want to know, uh, besides maybe um, the Nets, where am I going with this? <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Here, here, let me just take over. Because yeah, we've, been, we've been talking a lot about how great this is, this and that. But, I mean, the, the real big conundrum that we haven't really mentioned yet is the lack of the lack of balls on the court. Everyone, all three of these guys want the ball in their hand. Very ball-dominant players, especially Kyrie and James Harden. While they, they, all of them can play off each other, I mean, when it comes down to it, who are you putting the ball in their hand? Everyone's going to be saying, oh, it's my turn. It's my turn. My turn to take this last shot. This, that, the other thing. And then, I mean, then also when you do face a team that, like we talked about, the Clippers, who can lock them down, you don't have that Karis LeVert anymore. You don't have these guys who – these solid role players who you can depend on. So, uh, I'm in – like, Wall and then we haven't even talked about the egos, how – who knows? Maybe Ky- I said it in our group chat. Kyrie, th- this might be something that makes him want to come home from vacation a little earlier because he wants to play with his uh, new toy in James Harden. But uh, I mean, it- it's it's wild. I mean, 
but and while on paper, while in uh, NBA 2K21, it, it, it's gonna be great. I, I, I just am I I am a little skeptical to see how it plays out on the court, and also Steve Nash, first year head coach. How is he gonna be able to to wrangle these all and make them co- cohesive and? build that team chemistry. So there's still, while it looks really good, it looks fancy. There's still a lot of questions to be at, to be answered. Yeah. So I'm, I'm one of those people, Jace, who don't think, or I wouldn't be surprised if right off the bat, this wasn't working perfectly. I think it will take time, you know, especially like you said, Katie's not as ball dominant as Kyrie Irving and James Harden. I think it will be a little difficult for them to figure out, you know, Who's going to play off of who? Who's going to touch the ball when? But listen, if James Harden figured it out with with Russell Westbrook, he could figure it out with anyone, Mm. Uh, especially someone as difficult as Kyrie Irving. Um, But yeah, Jason, you you make a good point. I guess for the time being, obviously you have James Harden as your main ball handler and you have KD play off of him. But when when Irving comes back, I think you put the ball in his hands and let the other two work off of him because I think out of those three, Kyrie Irving is the best and most creative playmaker. James Harden does get assists, you know, with the best of them at the top of the league. But I think Kyrie Irving is the most creative out of the three. And I think I think the ball in his hands would work work in the best interest of the Nets. Yeah, um, it's definitely an interesting dynamic. We'll we'll see how it works out. But um, I think yeah, like you said, I, I think Kyrie will be the point guard. Uh, I think James Harden will probably go back to uh, his old shooting guard role, uh, like he used to play in the early years in Houston. But um, I, I think when it comes down to the last shot, I, I think it should be KD. I think KD has proven that he's the most clutch out of the three, um, and that you know he, he makes big time shots all the time, and he can shoot it over anyone. That's that's obviously the big thing is that he can create shots whenever he wants to. But um, I I think it is going to be interesting seeing uh, how it works down the stretch. Um, once these three guys. I'll start uh, playing together. I think it's um I think it's gonna be interesting because there's gonna be some nights where KD doesn't get the shot and he's upset about it, or Harden doesn't get the shot and he's upset about it. So we're definitely gonna see uh, some arguments on the sideline. I- I'm sure of that with the these three hotheads on the team. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, and like like Lucas said, I-, I think it's gonna be very slow at start. I think it's gonna be definitely a transition for these three guys. Um, I don't know if they've obviously KD's played with superstars like this before, but I think it's different with Clay, who's more of a catch and shoot guy, and Steph Curry, um, obviously who's just coming off a lot of screens and stuff like that. So it's going to be a different offense, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. And I, I think Steve Nash will benefit from having uh, Mike D'Antoni there. He's obviously been a coach in the NBA for a very long time, so I think he'll help him out with the the dynamic of trying to get these three superstars to work together. But um, we'll see what ends up happening in Brooklyn over these uh, next couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be something definitely we should um <laughs> we should look out for. And one other point I wanted to make was um you know, this might not matter as much because it was so long ago now, but Kevin Durant and James Harden have played together before. So, they could have somewhat of a, you know, like that kind of friendship chemistry on the court. Obviously, like I said, it's been a very long time since they've played together, but I'm sure they've stayed in contact and worked out with each other throughout several off seasons. So like you said, Sean, it's definitely going to be something to watch out for early on and uh, within the next few weeks or over the next course of the next month or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Jace, do you have any closing comments here or do you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, j- Just only the, the key to success here for the Nets is James Harden has to realize, Hey, I'm here. 
Kyrie Irving, he's got a ring. <laughs> Kevin Durant, he's got mo- a couple rings. Uh, I I can take a step back. I can let them. They've proven they can they can have success. Now I, I can ride them to my, my own success, and I will take whatever I am given. But James Harden, he he's the one who has to put his ego aside here because he's the one that does not have that bling bling on his fingers. Indeed. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. I think you know um, a while ago. I think it was it was a couple of years ago. Kobe Bryant had said he doesn't see James Harden winning a championship with that playing that style of basketball, at least in Houston. So obviously things are a little different now with um, Harden being around. You know the most talent superstar wise on a roster he's ever been with. So he could easily get that first ring this year, but. I, I do think JC, yeah, he will have to kind of adapt his playing style and, you know, be more, be more open to taking some advice and, you know, maybe, you know, not taking a step back per se, because obviously you don't want a guy who's scoring 35 a game to take a step back, but maybe just, you know, realize that he's not going to be that, that guy anymore. He'll, he'll be sharing that role with two other MVP caliber players. No, yeah, he has to realize he can't go into every game saying, I'm going to score 30, I'm going to score 40. He has to take those games where he's only going to score 15 or 20 and other people, like, and KD or, or Kyrie's going to have the 30. He, he has to be able to make the – he has to give and take. It's, it's like a good relationship. you got to make some sacrifices, you know? Right. I do think that is key, JC. You are 100% right. Um, gentlemen, do we have any other closing statements? Otherwise, I think we're all set to wrap up here on this crazy day. Uh, no, just the, the battle of New York tonight. I'm sure uh, Isaiah's <laughs> for that one. Nick's next. Be, obviously, Harden's not playing in that one. I wish he was, though. Um, yeah. That'd be crazy. Um, but otherwise, you know, anytime there's any any blockbuster trades or big news like this, we'll hop right on and get yeah. talking to you guys. Big, uh, big Woj bomb today. First right. Yes, sir. Yeah, hopefully there'll be plenty, plenty more to come. Uh, so this has been the Posting Up Podcast, a special James Harden breaking news episode. We will be back on Saturday at 1, and we will see you then. Peace. Finally here, it's the college football playoffs. Joe Aguirre, Jace Garcia, Sean Scanlon, and myself will get you caught up with the news in college football. 
plus a review of the New Year's Six Bowl games, predict the Heisman winner, and a special invite to our Capital One Bowl Mania Challenge. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It's All Four Downs Podcast presented by the CMG Sports Network.